So, uh, welcome listeners. I'm joined by Jenna. And today what we thought we would do would just give you a few of our thoughts and notes about Scream 6, which we were yeah. uh, able to watch together. Some of our notes, like I'm sure the creators are listening. And yeah, maybe notes, notes for next time. <laughs> Things that they yeah. might consider. Take into consideration. <laughs> we definitely don't see ourselves as film critics, but, you know, as you guys know, we absolutely love the genre, and so we no. were really excited to uh, to check this movie out. Not not to brag, though. I have been told I'm critical. Oh, <laughs> yeah, hypercritical, absolutely. <laughs> self-critical. We are critics in a lot of ways, but not necessarily <laughs> film critics. <laughs> oh, self-critical, certainly. So the first scream is great. It's It's like... It's a good mashup of like every horror movie that came before it. There's a million references, a million Easter eggs. So like if you go in, go back and watch it again, it's still fun for all the reasons you watched it the first time. But then you can also get more out of it the more you kind of come to watch other horror movies. Um, so, yeah, there's just like lots of fun watching it the first time on rewatching. And um, it was kind of like. If you, if you want to look at the 90s as not a great time for traditional horror movies, the Scream came along and kind of changed that. For sure. Yeah. And so, obviously, it's, it's one of those series that's that's beloved by a lot of horror fans. Yeah, but I have to admit, I'm not, I'm not super well acquainted with the whole series. No, and I imagine at one point we'll go through them, you know, for the sake of the podcast, but I'm definitely, you know, much more familiar with the first than I am uh, the others, although I have seen them. But I think that they're kind of getting into dicey territory, even considering the kind of requel thing. So in terms of what Scream 5 had to do, it had a lot. It had a lot to deliver on, I think. So yeah, definitely. We really did like Scream 5 as well. So we had high hopes for Scream 6. What did you think about them moving the setting and and Kind of a ghost face takes Manhattan type situation. Okay, you can't really tell it's in New York. Like, they don't do any specifically New York-y stuff. They're just in a big city. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? It doesn't feel very New York-y to me. The only really New York-y thing I, I found, kind of the first scene, they were more in the city and, like, someone was at a bar. They were around some really big buildings. There were alleys and, and things like that. And then... Yeah, but couldn't that be couldn't that be Chicago? Couldn't that be LA? Like, Absolutely. Why is it New York, you know? That's true. And like also they did a lot of crowded subway stuff and that's obviously something that yeah. New York is famous for, but at the end of the day absolutely not unique to New York either. I mean, to answer your question, I certainly don't mind that they moved out of Woodsboro because they've done that before other movies in uh, in the Scream franchise don't take place there. And I think that's totally fine. But I don't think that they made the most of New York as a setting. Ghostface doesn't, you know, climb up to the top of the Empire State Building and stab someone there. Spoilers. So many missed opportunities. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> he also doesn't slap the hood of someone's car. Yes, yeah, like, I'm uh, walking here. What else? What else does he not do? He doesn't go grab a oh. slice. Well, also. Doesn't go uh, get the world's best cup of coffee. And also an Empire State Building thing. He doesn't fall in love with Tom Hanks and meet him at the top of the Empire State Building. You're right. The the setting of New York is completely wasted in this film. What the <laughs> fuck? Besides the Empire State Building, what is another thing in the in New York? <laughs> Spider-Man mm, lives the there. Knicks, the, the Knickerbockers, for sure. The Knickerbockers. The, doesn't uh, kill anyone at a Knicks game. Um, And the basketball team are the Knicks. 
Right. The, that's them. <laughs> and then, and what are the other? There's the Jets, which are football. There's the Jets and the Giants. And the uh, Yankees. Hello. The Yankees. I think they might have two basketball teams. The New York Knicks and the New York. B-ballers, I think. Uh, big dunkers. <laughs> we'll put uh, it in the yeah. show notes. <laughs> the, the Monstars, I think it is. <laughs> the Monstars, right? The New York Monstars. Oh, the New York Nets. Now you're just making stuff up. <laughs> The New York basketball nets. <laughs> um, did you mind that they moved the setting? Or did you feel like it was bad or anything? Not at all. Like I, I didn't um I agree they've they've milked Woodsboro quite a bit that, you know, it made sense to me. And I think they did it in a way that made sense too, where some of the characters were moving on to university. Oh yeah, it makes sense, like for their age. Yeah, so I, I thought that, that was a good way to do it. And then one of the things about the New York setting, and this could have been any university town or any big city, frankly, the anonymity was important. So there were some kills that were kind of done in the middle of, you know, crowded areas and things like that, that like would be less believable if you were in maybe a smaller place. Plus, they're able to tap into like frat parties and college parties and all these things to get a bunch of randos around who could be like a a suspect or something like that. So I thought that was good. And I think it's kind of interesting that they played with danger from like what similar to what they experienced in the first one, where it's like danger that you could be murdered and also just kind of shitty frat guys and crappy people being around is kind of like interesting. Um, Yeah. And uh, what did you think of the returning characters in this one? I was very, okay. So that I, I do, I will say the new cast I think I like them. I, I think that the characters are likable. Um, I really like the twin characters. I think they're a lot of fun. And at, there's one, at least one Nepo baby in the mix. So that's a must for these days. Well, there was a Nepo baby in Scream 5. Uh, who's the Nepo baby in Scream 6? Cuba Gooding Jr.'s son. Right. Well, wasn't Kevin Costner's son in the other one? Not Kevin Costner. Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Sorry, not, uh, not Kevin Costner. Dennis Quaid's son is in Scream 5. Who looks but yeah. exactly like him. It's crazy. I like the cast as well. And like Jenna Ortega is probably my fa- my favorite performer. And I don't know if that's, I just have a soft spot for her because she's been in a lot of stuff I like, but true. I really like her. She's a bit of a modern era Scream Queen if she keeps this up, right? Yeah. And I hope she, I hope she does. I don't know. I think Same. she's got a, a lot, a bit, I think she's got a big future for sure. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, yeah, I there's ingenue Jenna Ortega that no one's ever heard of. Um, but uh, the twins, Mindy and Chad, I actually like. I liked them quite a bit more in this in this movie than the last one. Um, mm-hmm. And probably just because they were fleshed out a bit more and made to be a bit more likable rather than just like a, a type. Because I felt in the last one a bit like, okay, Mindy is the is the movie nerd. Period. And that's all right. she was there to do was kind of explain the rules and this and that. But I did find her to be a more likable. And I liked um, the kind of bond that they all had because I think that it's it's a nice idea that after going through something so terrible that they would come out the other side being good, protective friends to each other and not having their relationships fracture and stuff. So I think that that's just a really nice um, starting off point that they were 
good friends who move to a, another city together and are really protective and supportive of one another. Mm-hmm. It's just like a nice place to start. Yeah, and that's a good point about the trauma bonding. And also, I think that the the group kind of has like a collective kind of hypervigilance in the movie too, mm-hmm. that they're like suspect of everybody and they're suspect of new people who might try to come into the group and things like that. And I thought, pretty realistic. Thought it made a lot of sense that this group would be hypervigilant, right? Like, I, it's like, yeah, that would be very understandable. Of course. And it, it's like, uh, it's one of those things where in a franchise like Scream, it's not gritty, right? It's supposed to be fun. I mean, it can be like kind of gritty That's to true. a degree, but it's supposed to be fun. So you are going to show them being pretty well adjusted only a year after they were like almost murdered, all of them. <laughs> so, and like almost murdered and like they physically had wounds to recover from as well, right? <laughs> yeah. And they were like systematically hunted. And <laughs> so I <laughs> yeah. think that if a group of people went through something like that, and made it out the and other then went side. Off to college. Yeah, that a year later they're going to college <laughs> and they're they're pretty okay. I think that that would be an absolute miracle. So, <laughs> well, hey, one of them does see a therapist, so we get it. We get a counselor character <laughs> oh, in this movie. Yeah, I know, but he's kind of a jerk. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, without any spoilers, what do you think of that guy's practice <laughs> as a counselor yourself? Yeah, I thought he sucked. Yeah, um, he's pretty and bad. And also, like, he's. They, they play it a little fast and loose with the rules about what someone has to do if they're counseling someone, right? Like, they're like, oh, well, you know, this has to be reported to the authorities because blah, 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 because of counseling. And it's like, well, yeah, because I don't think of so, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he was he was a bit of a jerk. But hey, that's that's movies for you. They're, they're not always kind to, to my tribe. No, though. it's often a little bit of a device. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, in comes the counselor. Yeah, so I, I thought the cast was great, and it was um, it was cool. Like, again, you and I should probably familiarize ourselves a little more with the kind of middle movies of the franchise. Mm-hmm. But it was still nice to see some legacy characters coming back, like Gail Weathers and Kirby. Well, that's what one thing I was going to say. So I've never seen the fourth one for Hayden Panettiere, where she plays a character. So her returning didn't pack maybe the punch that it should have for that reason. But um, yeah. great. I like fleshing out the cast a bit more. I didn't think that anyone really felt out of place. And I, I also like it was a lot of characters, but I didn't feel like it was too many, really. No, it was uh, they all played distinct parts where you weren't getting them confused with each other, which was nice. Um, and I I do like the ki- the character of Gail Weathers. So it was really nice to have oh. her back. Me too. She's great. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, generally speaking, the cast was great. The new additions were really good, too, and they they played their roles really well. Again, we can't get into it, but there were some unhinged. Yeah. Uh, oh, I was there were some say... unhinged portrayals that were so fun. Yeah, like they were awesome. There is one very, very fun, campy performance in this. And yes, the person just <laughs> went for it. And yeah. doesn't al- that doesn't always work in different movies. But I feel like it works here because I just really liked it. So it worked for us anyway. Oh, yeah. We were laughing as much as we were, you know. But that being said, there were some genuinely tense scenes as well. It's pretty tense. There are definitely times that you're really worried for the safety of the characters that you um, have come to know and love. So I think that that's kind of all you can really ask from this kind of movie that is bringing back, like a horror movie that's bringing back a cast that you know. The stakes are still Mm -hmm. high. In this franchise, you know that just being a returning character and being like an audience favorite doesn't mean that you're not going to be killed off, right? 
Like, we've seen it with Randy in the Scream 2, and we saw it with Dewey in mm-hmm. Scream 5. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. The fact that the um, franchise has a history of that keeps the stakes really high in this new one. Yeah, I agree. And they do kind of overtly say that. So one of the things is like uh, Mindy is a great character. And also she's like a bit of a narrative device because she's the one who is the horror expert and who's saying like, well, we're not in a we're not in a requel anymore. We're in a franchise. And that means that no, uh, none the of the IP main characters are safe. The characters, yeah. Yeah, which is pretty fun. I mean, what did you think of the meta? And like meta has always been part of Scream. How do you think they've been handling it the last two movies? I think that they've been handling it great. Like, yeah, it's Me it's too. part of the DNA of Scream. You can't take it out. And that's part of what people are there for, right? So it is funny that, like, Mindy as a character, especially in 5, less so in this one, is an exposition factory. Like, that is, like, what she's there <laughs> for. But she's also really cute and charming. And True. I feel like that comes out for me, at least, a bit more in this one. I really liked this movie. I was expecting to like it and for it to be a fun time. But coming out of it, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, it's it's not just fun. I think it's legit good. Kept kept me guessing. I thought the performances were good. And it's one that I would happily watch again. I think it might be better than five. I think it might be better than five. What do you think? You know what? And I should revisit five. And like I said, I should go through the whole series and I'm sure we will at some point. But I think I liked it a little better than five, too. Maybe it was a little more fun. Well, do you know, do you know a reason that I think that might be is because five had a lot of work to do. They had a lot of things they had to do. Right. In order to, like, restart the franchise that had been dead for however many years. So, like, they had a lot of setup, a lot of establishing to do. Yeah. That's true. And maybe with six, they just got to have a bit more fun with it and kind of be a little bit more. They had more options with where they could go with the story um, because that work Mm -hmm. had been done in the in the previous one. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. They had to lay a lot of groundwork and then move it forward. Right. In this one, it's already on that track. So you're probably right about that. In the last one, they were kind of taking on toxic fandom Mm -hmm. a little more, too. Any ideas where they might kind of take it? Because I feel that the ground was laid for another installment oh yeah so any ideas where they might try to take it for for the next one? Oh, like what's another like zeitgeisty thing that should be taken on mm-hmm. um they kind of touched on it a bit but like true crime is really big mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and podcasting <laughs> <laughs> so i i don't know if you can make a whole scream movie out of that you know what i could see what i could see would be some like internet sleuth type people or some podcast people or some true crime podcast people maybe trying to track down uh sam so that they Uh. can kind of have an episode about her or include her in an episode or that sort of thing kind of the same way that the cast of the original movies were kind of hounded a bit because of the stab franchise Mm -hmm. right that maybe there would be something where people were after her to get her to appear on their show or or something like that and that they might be able to kind of come up with an angle there Mm -hmm. or they'll just go in another angle where someone becomes a fanatic right because that's that's part of this movie too that there's some fanaticism about kind of Ghostface and and how that plays how that could play out in the real world right Mm -hmm. are there any um mental health takeaways really not for me. Uh, I, uh, that certainly wasn't something I was thinking about. That's not what Scream's about. Like I said, one of the characters is in counseling, and I think perfectly understandable. 
that they would be. It doesn't seem like her counselor was doing a great job, in my opinion, in terms of supporting this victim of a horrible tragedy. And I think one of his failings is in presenting as non-judgmental. It's kind of the <laughs> it's kind of first base when you're the playing the game of yeah, that's the foundation when you are talking about any kind of mental health and healthcare profession in general is being non-judgmental. And he doesn't doesn't do that. He's got no poker face. Yeah, he's got like a like what? Like why would you feel that way? Why yeah. would you do that? And like <laughs> if if you want your patients and clients to be comfortable telling you things, you just cannot do that. <laughs> and he's got a bit of a like a resting jerk face too a little bit. Like he's kind of sitting there like, okay, like convince me mm-hmm. almost. And it's like Generally speaking, that shouldn't be how the the counseling's going. And probably anyone who's had, who's taken therapy that's been even marginally good, it's a pretty friendly environment that you walk into. You hope so, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the client is number one. The other thing that we mentioned as a bit of a mental health takeaway is just that um, the way that they recovered is probably not likely for the kind of trauma that they went through. (laughs) But would be amazing and is definitely the goal (laughs) that they can be well adjusted enough after what they went through to like strike out on their own in a new place and uh, undertake something as challenging as post-secondary education. Did you think that this film was a little more gory? Uh, Than five? There was some kind of hardcore knife stuff. Oh my God. Well, yes. And you know what? Sometimes that kind of takes me out of it a little bit just as a healthcare professional when I'm like, okay, that person is fully dead. (laughs) Like already, there's no point trying to save them. They're dead. (laughs) Or Or someone gets like eviscerated and then runs off. Well, yeah, I'm like, they'd be holding their guts like in their hands, (laughs) like belly wound that then they just kind of keep going. I'm like, like, there's probably no structures anymore. It's all just goop. Like, maybe they're still alive, but they're down for the count. But this one definitely was. There were some times that I was like, oh, man, there's no coming back from that. Yeah, there's there's lots of people who were stabbed a whole bunch. Oh, and yeah. then also lots of people who were, like, cut stem to stern. And you're like, that is pretty intense. One thing that they do abuse a bit is, like, the ambulance scene, you know, where the people who are going to survive this movie are, like, I don't know, they have a blanket on or something like that. And like, everyone's fine. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the ambulance situation would be like, go, 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 go. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Don't take time to kiss the main character. You got to get to the hospital. Yeah, but generally speaking, I think it it definitely gets Jenna's and my nod. We had a ton of fun watching it. We would recommend it to anybody who's into horror movies. You definitely don't need to be up to date on all the series because we weren't. No, no, no. You could st- you can still enjoy it. I would say, like, it would help if you watched Scream 1 and Scream 5. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Everyone has, probably everyone in, in general culture has some familiarity with Scream because it was that impactful. So definitely go watch it. Uh, that would be our recommendation. It has a really strong Rotten Tomatoes score for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, know. generally speaking, I think it performed pretty well. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if we do see a Scream 7. Who would be a fun actor that you'd want to be the next Ghostface? Oh, if I could cast anybody as Ghostface? Yeah, well, anybody. Okay, you know, 
You know how much I like Edward Norton. I know, that's the top of my brain also. <laughs> Let me see, who else would I like? <laughs> you know, it would be very of the moment. It would be like Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> She's... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. I would pay good money to see that movie. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Do you know what I was going to say, though? Do you know who actually has, like, he can play um, a bad guy, but he's also very funny? Is Jason Alexander. Oh. <laughs> he played a bad guy in an episode of Criminal Minds. He was great. Yeah, he was gross in that show. Yeah. yeah. I love Jason Alexander. He is so charming. Oh, lots of good options. So I hope that the filmmakers are listening. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Take a, feel free to take it. Just give us maybe five, ten percent of the royalties of the next film. I think that's more than fair. And if you start, I feel I feel like when we started to talk about um, potential ghost faces, we just got a little bit into our favorite actors category <laughs> territory. Whoops! Just people that we like. Okay, Edward Norton can do anything. He oh. could definitely be ghost face. Yeah. Brian Cranston would also be a great ghost face. Oh, you know, I think he's got too much gravitas. He plays anger really well. And and he can be really funny. So you know what? Maybe he would be good. But if, if Jason Alexander or, you know, Edward Norton or Jennifer Coolidge is the next (laughs) ghost face, then we'll know that we've broken through and that the the cast and directors really were listening. I think that the real litmus test would be Jennifer Coolidge. (laughs) She'd be like, I'm taking the knife, dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure this is why we're not film critics because like people are reading this in a magazine they're like what the fuck is going on you know what i think we just realized that the possibilities are pretty much endless oh yeah which Um, is so fun (laughs) true and anyone could pick up the mask because they're like Oh, a little bit of backstory. This is the reason this person has become a homicidal maniac. And there you are. It'll be interesting to see what the next reason is. And to see if Nev Campbell comes back. I hope she does. Uh, yeah, I felt like this movie was missing her. Okay, I was going to say, I, I didn't feel her absence too much. Neither did. I guess, you know what? I probably I probably felt like she was missing more before the, the movie started. That I knew I was Me going too. to see a Me movie too. that she wasn't a part of, right? But no, having Gail there really helped with that and Kirby for that matter. So yeah, but you know, we really do recommend this movie and we'll probably make an effort to to do a couple of really quick episodes like this as Jenna and I see movies, you know, as they're coming out yeah. and, and just have some quicker ones to, to release between our deeper dives. So thanks for anyone who joined us. Yeah, please tune in next time. Yeah, and we'll have another another one of our longer form episodes dropping soon as well. So Hopefully you'll tune in for that. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks. Bye.